Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Psychedelic Radio. I'm Christina Thomas, and I am the president and founder of Myself Wellness. And with me is my co-host, Charles Patty, who's chief education officer and brand ambassador. Each week, we'll be pushing boundaries, breaking taboos, and shedding light on the use of psychedelic medicines. We want to share expert knowledge and firsthand accounts with those who have experienced transformative psychic shifts using psychedelics. Journeying with us today is Dustin Robinson. Dustin is the leader in the cannabis and psychedelic ecosystem and has been remarked by Psychedelic Invest as one of the top 100 most influential people in psychedelics. As a licensed attorney and certified public accountant with the law firm that exclusively works in the cannabis and psychedelic space and is the founder of a leading not-for-profit that's paving the way for psychedelic legislation. Dustin is an expert in understanding and raising capital and opportunities within highly regulated industries. In addition, he founded Eater Investment, He's, which is a psychedelic um, investment platform, and he also co-founded a platform, Nucleus, and is a founding partner of cannabis and psychedelic um, in the psychedelic space, Mr. Psychedelic Law, and co-founder of the psychedelic nonprofit, Mr. Psychedelic Law. Hey, Dustin, thanks for being on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a lot lot to say. (laughs) Realize I was doing so much stuff, but yeah, appreciate the introduction and appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, for sure. You know, Dustin, we've actually become really good friends with Dustin, and uh, he's an amazing person. You know, and like that scroll right there just just shows what an impact he's having on this field. So first, I want to thank you and commend you for your you know, for your service to humanity and trying to get out here and do all this amazing stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I also want to say I'm I'm very happy to see how far you guys have come. I know we met a couple of years ago when you guys were just kind of starting up the clinic and uh, it was just, just amazing how far you guys have come. You know, the clinic seems to be doing great. You guys have inserted yourselves as part of the fabric of the psychedelic ecosystem. So commend you guys on all the great work you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. So big news that's out right now is the these four compounds that uh, DEA just basically lost the scheduling. I think I believe they're trying to make them schedule one substances. Do you, do you want to touch on that at all? Sure. Yeah, there was actually five. It was five psychedelic tryptamines that the DEA was looking to potentially put on schedule one. So these are psychoactive compounds that were not previously on Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substances Act, and DA was looking to put them on Schedule 1. Um, luckily, the the psychedelic uh, movement and the people behind all the advocacy really pushed back significantly. They provided comments and feedback and, and challenged it. And just uh, last week, just, just a few, few days ago, at the end of last week, the DEA decided to withdraw um their proposed rule to schedule those compounds and instead they're kicking it over to the hhs which is the really the agency that studies uh medical and scientific research um and with respect to the csa it's kind of their job to look at the medical and scientific research and give uh recommendations to the dea so basically the dea their position now is you know we want hhs to update the research around these compounds um and then after that they'll make a decision on whether to schedule them what's what i think is most interesting about this is 
that this is precisely what we've been wanting to happen with the currently scheduled compound. So, you know, there's a lot of psychedelic compounds that are currently schedule one. Um, I think that medical and scientific research needs to be updated by the HHS. So, you know, it would be interesting if out of uh, an abundance of, of uh, efficiency, the HHS not only looked at these five psychedelic tryptamines, but also took a look at the current research and science around the, the currently listed Schedule One compounds. I, I doubt they will do so, but it'll be an interesting situation if HHS comes back and says, that the medical and scientific research does not support these five psychedelic tryptamines being scheduled because, you know, the logic would probably also apply to the currently scheduled one compounds to the extent that these, these five psychedelic compounds don't, uh, don't belong on schedule one. I would think that the other psychedelic compounds that actually have much more research going around, around the safety and efficacy of them, would also not really be proper on schedule one. So it's, it's definitely an interesting thing and something that all, all the viewers should keep an eye on. Yeah, no, I consider it a really big win, you know, just because it really does open that door. So <clears throat> the other night, Michael Pollan was uh, who, who just did the documentary, um, How to Change Your Mind. And we had actually talked about that a while ago. But he was on TV and he was basically saying about how in the next five or so years that psilocybin and MDA will be, you know, through FDA approval and they'll be being used for medicinal purposes. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just say first off, yeah, if any of your viewers have not watched that that Netflix series, it's incredible how to change your mind. It's made my life a lot easier because I get a lot of people reaching out asking like, are psychedelics really helpful? Like I thought they were addictive and there's, you know, so much stigma. And I used to have to, you know, send research articles and send all sorts of stuff. And now I just direct them to how to change your mind. I'm like, you should, you need to watch this and it will answer your questions. Cause he does such a good job of just explaining and summarizing the history and where we are currently. And it was really his book, how to change your mind that I read very, very shortly before meeting both of you that really inspired me to get deeply involved in the industry. So, you know, definitely it's, I kind of call it the pollen effect because I think that book inspired a lot of people. And I think this Netflix series is going to inspire a lot more people. Um, and yeah, I think he, he's absolutely right. Look, MDMA is in phase three clinical trials. Um, hopefully there'll be approval in 2023 or 2024. Um, so, you know, phase three for the viewers that don't know, that's pretty much, the the final phase of, of clinical trials you need to do. And then, you know, there is other research you do into commercialization um, afterwards, but we expect for that to be uh, approved and commercialized very shortly. Psilocybin, I think we have a longer time to go. Um, Compass Pathways, the furthest along here in the U.S. Um, they just finished their phase two clinical trials. They should be starting their phase three clinical trials. I would imagine those are going to take quite some time. I would estimate maybe approval 2026, 2027, more likely 2027. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the FDA process takes a very long time and, you know, people are suffering now, which is really the purpose of my nonprofit. You know, while my investment fund is investing in the, the research, the FDA clinical trials and some of the trials going on even outside of the country, uh, my nonprofit is focused on city and state legal reform because, People are really suffering now. And, and while I applaud all the research getting done at an FDA level, if there's a way we could get people access sooner, uh, I think it would just be tremendous. 
No, yeah, I completely agree. You know, watching that film, I hadn't realized that Rick Doblin's been working for 35 years trying mm-hmm. to get MDMA pushed through uh, FDA approval. And, and like, it's like literally mapped out every step of how to get it done. Kudos yeah, that, that third episode, that third episode with Maps and Rick Doblin was absolutely awesome. I mean, it really just shows all the incredible work Rick has done. And it explains why he, in my mind, is probably the most influential person in psychedelics, at least in in modern day times. I think he's probably the most, if not one of the most influential right now. For sure. I completely agree with you. So where do you project what what do you see happening with this field yeah i mean hopefully mdma gets approved hopefully psilocybin gets approved through the fda um you know there's a lot of clinical trials going on right now for other compounds like dmt mescaline um 2cb you know a whole list of psychedelic compounds and there's a, a lot of you know companies that are now also trying to, to to create you know novel chemical entities new nces and a lot of people get so excited about the current compounds we have and you know oh we have nature this that, and the other but what people don't you know stop to think about is that once upon a time lsd and mdma were novel chemical entities they were created in a lab and then people just stopped researching and trying to create new psychedelic chemical entities right and so i think and and i'm hopeful that with some of the and there's dozens of companies right now trying to develop new chemical entities that are psychedelic um and you know whether it be reducing the duration of the trip or even taking the trip out of it um, or just hitting different receptors that maybe we don't want to hit taking out some of the cardiovascular risk um, so I think, you know, the future will be, you know, we're going to see some of these traditional psychedelic compounds approved by the FDA. I think we're then going to see um, new chemical entities that really improve upon the performance of those traditional compounds eventually being approved. It's a much longer road for them because they really got to prove out safety. Um, the traditional compounds have a long history of safety and efficacy. So, you know, to some extent, phase one is relatively simple for them. But for these new chemical entities, you're really starting uh, at the very beginning with preclinical work and then, you know, phase phase one work. So going to take probably 10 to 12 years before we see a, you know, a new chemical entity approved. Uh, but hopeful, hopefully that will be, um, you know, the future. And then at a city and state level, you know, Oregon is rolling out measure 109 January of next year. Uh, you got Colorado with the bill, California with the bill. So I think we're also going to start seeing a lot of states um, passing proactive measures to uh, create their own legal frameworks around uh, psychedelics. So it's going to be an interesting time and uh, we'll see what happens. I'm hopeful that, you know, the state regulations are um, create the right container and, you know, they have the right guardrails around it so that, you know, things we, we don't take, you know, 10 giant steps backwards if, you know, some bad stuff happens. So I think it's just very important, even watching how to change your mind and, and understanding, you know, the first two episodes go through how uh, some of the, you know, MDMA and LSD essentially were originally used for medical use. And then, you know, once the they got into, you know, outside of medical use and started being used more, um, you know, for mind exploration or recreationally, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's when really the government clamped down on it because um, some, you know, some bad instances happened. There was no guardrails around those people using them. Um, so I'm hopeful that we don't, 
you know, we learn from mistakes of the history and, you know, we, we do these in a responsible way and, and really it all starts with education. So it's really just these, these are safe compounds, um, but people need to be educated on how to use them safely. So really big on education. And that's part of the reason we, I do so many of the events that I do and, and why, you know, you guys have this podcast, right? It's, it's yeah. all about educating the public and, you know, push legal reform, but also make sure that it's responsible legal reform that's in conjunction with, uh, you know, educating the public. And that's it. We're, we're really in alignment with that statement, you know, just because it like with, with as taboo as this field is and with the reputation that some of these compounds had, you know, in the seventies and, and some of the stories that you've heard, we have to be incredibly careful that everything is done really well to make sure, cause you know, just like one, the, that one bad story could really taint this industry for everyone. Yeah. Do you think like, because in the ketamine world, right, there's some companies that we feel irresponsibly send ketamine to people's homes. But do you think that's going to be the same with these other compounds or do you think that it's going to be even more regulated? Yeah, well, definitely it's the wild, wild west right now with ketamine. So, you know, it's being used off label. So there's no really specific REMS or protocols that need to be followed uh, unless you're using S-ketamine or Spravato. Um, But with just the generic ketamine, there's really no standards built around them so people are really doing all sorts of different different stuff with them um and you know just gotta all it takes is one or two bad actors and you know ketamine gets a bad name and you know i think there'll be a lot more guardrails especially for the fda approved drugs like mdma has it's looking like they're gonna have very restrictive rems where you have to take it at a certified site with a certified clinician under a specific protocol um and so on and so forth so it's not going to be something you could go and take home and you know use on your own um which you know for ketamine you don't really have those types of limitations so i think you know they're starting off with very restrictive rems but you know talking to rick doblin and maps i know the intention is to create more flexibility right as as we learn more about these compounds as we educate the public more and more, I think you could start to remove some of those guardrails. So I think it's important to kind of start with the guardrails, you know, a lot of guardrails. And then as we we learn and and, and the really the public learns as well, and we gather research, I think you could start to take those those guardrails off. But but it's important to note that those guardrails do increase costs. So there's kind of these two underlying um themes that are somewhat pulling at one another. We want to provide, you know, access to many at, you know, not excessive costs, but we also want to have proper guardrails. The more guardrails you put up, the more expensive it is. So in order for this industry to really blossom and flourish, we really can't have that crazy of guardrails put up. It's just too expensive. So I think we're going to start off with a lot of guardrails and, and very slowly, hopefully we'll be able to take down some of those guardrails. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you and state representative Mike Greco had drafted legislation to decriminalize psilocybin in the state of Florida. Is that correct? Yeah. So what we drafted through my nonprofit and it was uh, filed by Mike Greco, who's a state representative, we drafted a bill. It did include decriminalization, but it also created a legalized framework. So a lot of, for, for those years that don't know difference between decrim and, and legal, legalization, decrim basically just uh, 
lowers as a priority possession and use and basically takes away enforcement of possession and use. It doesn't allow commercial sale of of psychedelic compounds. So when you hear Denver, Santa Cruz, Oakland, D.C., all these different cities and states that are decriminalizing, it doesn't mean that there's a, a commercial market for it. It's just, you know, they're moving it as a low priority as far as possession and use goes. If you sell it, it's still illegal, even in those those jurisdictions. Legalization is really allowing commercialization and sale. And, and right now, Oregon is the only state that currently has a, a legal framework. And so the bill we filed had both decrim language in it, as well as legalization language in it. And in many respects, it it um, took a lot of what was in Measure 109 out in Oregon, but we did make some revisions to that um, in areas that we thought were necessary. Do you think Do you think there's any possibility of it going through anytime in the near future? I don't think that that bill will go through. Um, our strategy was to ask for everything in that first bill and then start to tailor it back. So in this last session, there was a, a research bill filed, much more simple, uh, much less controversial. Basically, was just saying, hey, these compounds are being researched at a federal level and showing safety and efficacy as a state. We should not wait, we should research them ourselves. I mean, who, who could argue with that when you're looking at some of the results of the MDMA phase three clinical trials where, you know, two thirds of the participants who had PTSD were no longer clinically diagnosed with PTSD after going through MDMA psychedelic assisted therapy. So over two thirds of people with PTSD after going through MDMA psychedelic assisted therapy no longer had it. So, you know, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I think we all want to support the veterans and there's so many veterans suffering with PTSD. Yep. So why would you not want to at least research it and understand this better so that, you know, we could get these veterans and others suffering from PTSD, get them the help that they need. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, we, we did a research bill in the last one. We're, we're now in discussions about what we want to do in this next session. And most likely it will be something around research and, Honestly, it's really just time and money. If people put the time in and the money to, and we have some money behind what we're doing, um, I I absolutely believe that it could be um, passed here in Florida. I, I, everyone I talk to is interested. I, I talk to very few politicians that tell me screw off. Um, just I'm not a, a lobbyist by by trade. I, I you know even as a lawyer, I really don't spend a lot of time lobbying. Um, so it really just takes groups that are willing to put in the time to educate all these different politicians to try to ensure we get something voted through. For sure. I was going to say, I mean, how do you have even time to try to lobby when <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys heard my list of stuff. Like I, know. <laughs> I got a lot going on. So I, uh, you know, most of my time right now is spent with my investment firm. I prioritize that because I think my best contribution to this industry is deploying capital into it. You, you could go to the top of the mountain and scream all you want, but at the end of the day, um, for good or for for bad, you know, capital is what the industry really needs to push it forward. So we've been very, very active in you know getting capital, raising capital number one, and and now you know deploying capital into the industry. So that's where most of my time is spent doesn't mean that the lobbying side and all the other stuff doesn't matter. It's just right now the it's the area where I'm prioritizing. No, I think it's really important. You know, like money is energy and it makes things happen. 
without it and the, the things like you know you like you said people can have a really strong mouthpiece but money talks in this industry and, and that's really what you know i commend you for what you're doing so you. do you want to can you can you touch on nucleus a little bit yeah absolutely so our my our investment fund we we generally invest and take minority positions in uh different research organizations in the psychedelic industry um, and we help get them the capital to kind of get them started. We generally invest seed series A, but we saw this, this void, um, in the market on really the, the, the marketing, the data and the technology side of the industry. So nucleus is really kind of a, an incubator where we launch some of our own businesses where we see white space. So our fund owns nucleus entirely and we operate nucleus entirely. And we're basically incubating, uh, different companies that we think could help break stigma and raise awareness around mental health and psychedelic medicines and just educate the public. So for example, one of our, our assets under Nucleus is psychedelicinvest.com, which is basically a, a website that provides data and analytics around, about companies for, for those that are interested in investing or just learning more about the business and investing side of the industry. We also have Another website called newly, N-E-U-L-Y, .com, which is probably one of the largest databases of psychedelic information, has every company in there, all the investors. It has clinical trial data. It has patents that have been filed, um, the institutions that are doing different types of research. So it's just tremendous database that collects information. And we have about six or seven other companies under Nucleus that we've launched. So it's really become kind of a an incubator of different areas where we see some white space and we see some need uh, in order to push the industry forward. For sure. And one of the things we do through Nucleus is we do events. And uh, I know I've had Charles on some of my panels and it's, it's weird to have a conversation with Charles without getting a huge standing ovation after everything he says, because whenever you have Charles on a panel, the the audience tends to to really like the stuff he has to say. So yeah, Charles has been, on several, you know, part of Nucleus is breaking down stigma and raising awareness, like I mentioned. So we do panels all across the country, and we've had the benefit of having Charles on a couple of them. He's been an incredible panelist, definitely an audience favorite. He is a crowd pleaser. People like to listen. Yes. To him. <laughs> I don't like to listen to him, but everybody else. <laughs> I really appreciate that, man. And you know, and kudos to you, man. You're listening. You're really out there, and you're doing the deal. You know, and you're you're a genuine guy, and I appreciate you for that. Um, so if you were going to give a message to everybody out there, like maybe like, you know, that we're, we're second guessing possibly trying to use psychedelic compounds to heal in a safe way, you know, through like maybe even just ketamine right now, we can touch on that because it's FDA approved. But what would you, what would you say to people that are questioning whether this would be the right move for them? Tell them to go to myself wellness and book me the springs. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I love it. Boom. Um, no, I mean, look, obviously that's a good place to start, right? If you have a, a trusted clinic that's doing it the right way, it's a definitely a good way to, you know, if you're a novice, good way to kind of ease your way into psychedelics is, you know, going to a clinic like myself wellness where you know they're gonna have the the proper care that you need and it's going to be done in a safe way. I mean, I, my story is I'd never tried any psychedelic compounds up until three years ago. So I'm 37. So it wasn't until I was 34 years old. And I, I basically carried that stigma with me all my life um, until, you know, I read Michael Pollan's book and started reading some of the research, started 
working with, you know, different groups like you guys that were educating me on it. And then I had my own experience um, and it was the to totally opposite of what I've been told all my life. And, you know, I thought it was a, a debilitating compound. I thought it took turn your brain into mush. And, you know, then I have, you know, my first psilocybin experience and, you know, you feel your, your mind opening up. It's quite the opposite of turning your brain into mush. You have your, your neurons firing on all cylinders and, you know, you really feel, uh, that neuroplasticity happening and, you know, pro things that, problems you may have had that were complicated, you you tend to just gain clarity on. So, you know, for people who, you know, I, I'm, I don't advocate any illegal use of any psychedelic compounds, I will say that, but if you um, are taking them legally, whether it's at a ketamine clinic or going outside of the country and accessing these in, in a legal way, um, I just recommend people to be open uh, about the, the possibilities um, and also just not to fight the the compound and, you know, hear about bad trips. And, you know, I think people just sometimes the bad trips, it's kind of the person fighting the medicine off and, you know, just to be relaxed and understand that this medicine is pretty damn safe. Um, it's, it, it's a very safe medicine. Um, there really aren't people ODing on ketamine or psilocybin. There are people ODing on cocaine, heroin, opioids, all those other things. Those are, are very unsafe to take. So subjectively, um, you might be going through something in your head where you may feel unsafe, but always coming back to that place of understanding that you're you're in a safe place, assuming you're doing it in a safe place, like myself wellness or at a retreat in another country, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, that would kind of be my advice for people. No, I love, it. I love it, man. You know, listen, Joe Rogan, says basically along the lines of what you just said he's like listen the drugs have a huge label like drugs covers a huge amount of different compounds and substances from nyquil to cocaine to alcohol to nicotine to heroin and he said and like you know there's a lot of drugs out there that have that negative connotation because they're not good for you you know like meth cocaine and heroin but then you have some drugs that can be good drugs like psychedelic compounds which tap us into higher states of consciousness we can heal trauma or even generational trauma and so i think you know like one thing that i've been doing in my in my daily practice when i'm talking to people about this stuff is like i actually just really just keep referring it to it to medicine so we can keep so we can really take those taboos and stigmas away because drug has such a negative connotation to it but you know these psychedelic medicines and compounds can change your life yeah i've stopped referring to them as psychedelics i always call them psychedelic medicine so absolutely that's that's the right way to refer to them in my opinion beautiful so if anybody was looking to contact you how would they do that um you can best way to contact is probably through my investment firm website eaterinvestments.com um there's a way you could just contact us on the website it's iterinvestmentsplural.com eaterinvestments.com um and yeah you can reach out to me through that you know whether you're looking to be go do advocacy stuff or whatever um, if you reach out through there, it comes to my email address and I'll be sure to point you in the right direction. 
Amazing. I would say follow him on social accounts, but you never know if it's real or not because people keep trying to be this guy. <laughs> yeah, been having some issues with people creating fake accounts, but yeah, you're welcome to follow me on Instagram. It's Dustin R one zero. Um, it's not Dustin R one zero zero or Dustin R one zero exclamation point. Um, yeah. So unfortunately I've had to deal with that quite a bit, but it's all good. Well, this was amazing. Just to let everybody out there know one more time, I'm sorry, Dustin is an amazing person who is really changing the game out there and paving the way for this industry. And we really commend you and appreciate you for that. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And thank you for all the work you guys are doing. I'm very fortunate to be able to work with you guys. And uh, anytime you want me back on the show, just let me know. I'll be here. Excellent. We appreciate it. Thank Thank you. you. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on this edition of Psychedelic Radio. You can download our past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or by subscribing to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. To learn more about psychedelic ketamine therapy, please visit our website at MySelfWellness.Center. Thank you for joining us today. And if nobody's told you that they love you lately, we do. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.